Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Laura Santo podcast. Today, we're looking at the world through the eyes of Melissa Foley of Healing Loading. I love that name. It tells a little bit more about how that name came to be. Melissa is a certified pregnancy and infant loss coach. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I bet there's a lot of people going to hear that and not even realize that you could even be certified in something like that. So you have to tell us a little bit about that journey as well. So I reached out to Melissa. I've been following Melissa for a while on Instagram. I highly recommend everybody follow her. We'll give you her links and everything. But I've been following Melissa for a while. She doesn't even know this. I haven't said this to her. I've been meaning to reach out to you, um, to her for a while. And then I got that intuitive nudge and I did. And for a couple of reasons. One, you know, sometimes when I'm on Instagram, I feel... Like I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, which is which is amazing because there's so many people doing amazing things. But what really stood out for me with Melissa is, you know, she's talking about things and, you know, from experience that we'll hear um, that she unfortunately had to go through. But things that I find that a lot of people aren't talking about. And so I really wanted to bring a little bit more of light to what we're going to be talking about today. Because I feel it's one of those things that people, and Melissa, you could agree or disagree. I feel like people are, are grieving and and suffering in silence almost, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And also we were just talking about how, you know, in this human experience, we're expected to just lose somebody and then just get back to the day-to-day. And I don't think we any of us really process loss. So I really wanted to talk about this today to just really give people the permission to, you know process their loss, talk to other people, then you do such a beautiful job of sharing your story and your son's legacy. And I think so many people, not that I think I know that so many people are going to really be able to be inspired by you, even if their circumstances look different. And you're just going to touch so many people today. So thank you so much for being here, Melissa. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I could, I could be here. 100%. So do you want to just share a little bit about, you know, your journey and you know, you're obviously a certified pregnancy and infant loss coach for a reason. And Mm -hmm. what got you to this point? Yeah, well, in 2015, we became pregnant with our first child. We were really excited. It happened a lot faster than we anticipated. So that was really exciting. And I was sick almost the entire time. So for like the first six months, I was sick, but I didn't care. I was one of those really annoying pregnant people who was just so happy that he was growing and that he was healthy. And I like always imagined having a boy first, which now in hindsight is like, I'm just like, I just want a living kid. Yeah. But yeah, so everything went really well. We had our 20 week scan. He looked great. We kept hearing heartbeats every, you know, four weeks. And at 28 weeks, we started going every two weeks. And throughout my pregnancy, I always complained about movement. So movement was something that I didn't feel a lot. I was pregnant at the time with my best friend and she felt her baby a lot. So it was very weird to me. And I brought it up on multiple occasions to my OB. And I was always told, you have an anterior placenta, you'll start feeling him soon. Okay. So I was feeling him just not as much as I thought. So I, in my opinion, was pushed off as that like first time mom, Mm. you don't really know what you're talking about. Like he's fine. Everything's fine. Never offered another ultrasound, never anything different than the norm of what they give pregnant people, which is absolutely absurd in my opinion. But that being said, I had my two scans. Everything was good. We were just listening to heartbeats every time we went and everything was fine until until it wasn't, I guess. 
I hadn't felt him the night before. We had a Doppler and I had found his heartbeat that day. So I wasn't super concerned, but I hadn't felt him like all night. So I was a little worried. In the morning, we went to an appointment for my spouse because his wrist was broken because you know, we needed more things going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went to that appointment, I called my doctor and was like, Hey, I'm just not really feeling him. What should I do? And she's like, just go upstairs. You're already at the hospital. They'll just check you out. They'll send you home. Everything will be fine. And I was like, okay, I was 33 weeks pregnant. So I went upstairs and they were like, all happy to see me. We'll just check him out. We'll get you out of here. The first nurse couldn't find his heartbeat. So she went and got another Doppler. She tried to find his heartbeat again. And then she she stated, oh, I'll just go get the nurse. Always find a heartbeat. Uh, famous last words, because she never found a heartbeat. She tried two more Dopplers, took me into a different room, tried another Doppler. And at this point, I think they knew. They knew something was terribly wrong. And I still, like, had no idea. Like, mm. my worst case scenario at that point was, like, he would be delivered early. Yeah. And fine. Like, I had no idea until the ultrasound and the tech pressed very, very hard on my stomach. And like, they didn't do that at 20 weeks. So like, I'm like, something is going on. And it was almost like he was willing my son to like live. Like he was trying to like get his heart to beat again. You did the ultrasound right at like at that same moment? At the hospital. Yeah. Like, well, they walked us, it took forever. Like it felt like an eternity. Yeah. And then they brought us back upstairs and that's when the nurse said like, there's no fetal heartbeat. So no one ever said like your kid's dead or like your son died. It was, it was, there's no fetal heartbeat. And then we had to kind of like, obviously we knew what that meant, but like, what does that actually mean? Like, do I deliver my kid? Does he, most people like don't understand the fact that I still had to be induced. I still had to labor. I still had to deliver my son. They sent us home and then to come back and talk to the doctor. So that was a bit of a shit show too. Um, We lived in Alberta. My family's all in Ontario. So I had called my mom. They were getting on like the first flight to come out. So we decided to deliver him the next day when we had like family around. So like the thought of what happened like that night though, of like driving two and a half hours to the airport to pick them up and seeing a coworker in the in the airport and he's like congratulations I'm so happy for you blah 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 and I'm like he's dead and like I just walked away like I didn't even know what to say like I was just like in tears and he's like congratulating me because it's the first time we've ever seen each other so that he found out I was pregnant you were at home and you had already known yeah so yeah the next morning on April 1st of 2016 We were induced with our son, Lachlan, and he was born seven hours later after induction. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. He was small at two pounds, four ounces, which we now know is just how I build babies. Very, very small. (laughs) Because his brothers are not very big. We're not very big at birth either. Yeah. And he was like 16 inches and like the most perfect baby I had ever seen in my life, except he wasn't breathing. There was no sound when he was delivered. It was pretty, yeah. Like silence was not something I could do for a very, very long time because like the silence in that room was deafening. 
this question just came up so I'm just gonna ask do you think in terms of like at that time at the hospital do you think there's anything different that the the healthcare team could have done different like do you think that there's training that needs to be done in these types of situations definitely yes there's a lot more training that could be done I'm sure there's support staff that comes in I would assume no we had nobody um Mm -hmm. nobody came in to talk to us it was just the nurses they gave us like documents of like what you could do or how you could do it Uh, most of them were like ancient from like years and years ago all of the support groups didn't exist anymore yeah like to be honest like resources need to be updated Mm -hmm. they didn't have a cuddle cot so what a cuddle cot is is a cooling unit because when your baby dies they decompose very quickly well when anybody dies yeah so to keep them cool is a big is a big deal and the hospital I delivered at did not have one so we were like given a time limit that we could keep our son so on top of like you know you have a limited amount of time because this is the only time you'll ever get with him they now limited us to like 12 hours with him Mm which was difficult. So I have since made sure that they have got a cut of cot and it's in Lachlan's name and other people don't have to deal with what we had to go through, but sometimes they have two at the same time. And then how do you? Yeah. All I know is that hospitals need to do better. And what I'm seeing from even almost seven years out is that, um, bereaved parents are still complaining about the same things I was complaining about six years ago. And that's a hard pill to swallow that nobody, it feels like nobody's doing anything except for bereaved parents. And like, that's difficult. Tell us a little bit, because you now have two sons that are two living sons. What did that look like in terms of being able to emotionally be ready. I don't know if you would ever be ready, but no child. Yeah. It, it's like this very complex feeling of like the want outweighed the fear. Mm. I don't think emotionally I'd ever be ready because when the only thing you know is death, that's all you know that's all I thought about like I I for sure thought I my son like both my kids after loss would die like that was that was all I knew that was all I could think about through the entire pregnancy it was yeah just about like holding on realistically and hoping for a different outcome you do such a beautiful job of honoring his legacy what would be your message to other parents that are going to listen to this that have experienced the same and they haven't really given themselves that permission to be able to still have that presence and kind of maybe not have it in their everyday experience and kind of not really bring it to the forefront? I think the biggest, the biggest thing is like grief is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So for some people talking about it is going to be really helpful. And for some people talking about it is not, is not going to be helpful. And that's okay too. You can honor your baby out loud, or you can honor your baby 
in the quiet and that it's okay either way um, that you decide to show up and do that. It doesn't make you less or more to be out there. Like the fact that I share almost makes it difficult at times because there's so many people judging the way I grieve or the way something is done. Like when I share a reel and someone's like, well, maybe you should just get over it. But then you have all these other people that said that to you. Oh, a hundred percent. Like people believe you should just move on. And it's like, okay, but what you don't realize is like, you don't ever like move on. Yes. I'm moving forward in life, but he's always going to move forward with me. Like he's never going to leave my life. Like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about a support in the ideal world. What would that support look like? People showing up, people allowing the emotions without it being about them. Because a lot of the time it turns into, I can't imagine, or you're so strong, or something that like takes the reality out of it. Because sure, I've gotten through it and I'm continuing to go through it. Like, it doesn't make me any stronger than somebody else. It just means I didn't have a choice. And here, here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it really is just showing up and like listening. There's no fix to my kid dying, which means that there's nothing you could say that I'm going to be like, you're so right. Yeah. Unless you're like, this is fucking shitty. And then I'm going to go, yeah, you're right. Right. Like, that's what I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear like, it's going to be okay. Because what, what does okay look like now? Yeah. It's very different than what it looked like before. It's a different reality. Mm -hmm. There's something that I pulled. Actually, can we just stay here for one second? So for anybody that's going to listen and they have a friend or a family member that have experienced the same type of loss, is that what you're suggestion would be to them is just to listen and to be okay with however their their friend or the family member is grieving with it I'd say show up and what showing up looks like is different it could be sending a casserole like putting it on their front step or like people have to eat and let me tell you especially after you lose your kid like food doesn't matter yeah so showing up with like even sending a gift card like or doing a meal train or doing something helpful is what I would say like some like an action that's not just sending flowers and saying I'm sorry because flowers die too mm. isn't, and that and isn't that ironic that's like the first thing we send mm-hmm. and it killed me I literally said to my mom if I see one dead flower I mm. will throw every vase on this table on the floor and she's like oh my god and I was like seriously though like I don't want to see something else that's dead like I thankfully she pulled all the flowers every morning so I would never see a dead flower but like it was a lot like food is so much better we're about a week away from week and a half away from Christmas and I love how you're asking your friends and family and your network to send you a card or a letter addressed to your late son how does that how does that help that healing process I both love and I hate it (laughs) if that (laughs) makes sense (laughs) because this many years out so at seven years out Mm. 
the people who are sending them aren't the people you would expect to show up. So it's not my family. It's not my close friends. It's not the people who should be showing up. It's lost parents. Like I can tell you, I think I have probably upwards of 10 to 15 cards right now. And the majority of them come from lost parents, like other moms who have a lost baby. And it's sad. Like it's sad to see that dwindle down. And it's also beautiful that they'll help me keep him alive. So that community exists. So for anybody that's going to listen to that, whether they're here or in the U.S., because Melissa's in Canada, um, but in the U.S. or anywhere in the around the world, all have their own individual communities or global communities that are looking to tap into communities of people that have experienced the same type of loss. I guess like Facebook would, I would assume, be would be a great platform. Facebook groups. Instagram is where I find all my people. Yeah, that's been my been my source since since he died I don't use Facebook very often I do use it but not not very often so Instagram so you're able to find people that you know understand it at a a, a different degree yeah Mm -hmm. there's a big community on Instagram there's something that I had taken from one of your blogs that I want to ask you kindly to expand on You had said, sometimes it seems to me that I'm trying to be the girl I was before, but the problem is that I'm not. My thinking is different. My emotions are different. Everything is different. Things aren't done on a rim anymore. They're more calculated as I don't know what reaction I will have to any situation. It feels like that I have no control over my emotions or when they decide to hit. Just tell me a little bit more or tell us a little bit more about what that looks like? Is that being triggered by? I think when you're, when your person dies, especially a person that you created, Mm. you die with them. Like the person I was to him died that day with him while I delivered him. And she's not the person who sits in front of you right now. Like she could never be that same person again and like I found bits of her again I found pieces but I don't think I mean I know you can never go back to like that carefree I mean I wasn't super carefree but like that carefree life that I had before like that naive pregnancy life even where I was like yeah this is great everything's great and then it just all gets like pulled from under you without without an explanation without anybody telling you and you just kind of like try to pick the pieces up again but it's never it's never the same and like for me it's a big before and after I don't remember a lot of my my life before my son died I have snippets of like things that I remember like my best friend dying Those things are like big pieces that trigger a response. And I still could like explain that exact thing to you or how it happened, when it happened, how I heard about it. Mm -hmm. But then if you asked me like anything else, I'd be like, I I don't know. Like, I don't know that life. I don't Mm -hmm. know what that life was anymore. It's only those really big things. Like there's things that I'm like, I should remember that. And still I can't tap into it. Because it's like I'm trying not to forget 
those like little pieces in the middle where I had him. So it's like about, I don't even know the word, like hold, I guess holding on to those, like his little blip in this, this world, like the times when he was alive. Cause he was, he was alive for eight months. Right. Yeah. Being a little human and now he's not here. So like I'm holding on to those like moments of knowing his personality and who he was and forgetting some of those things that like probably don't matter anyways. Tell us about healing unloaded, uh, unloading, sorry. And would that look like in the sense of you deciding to becoming a source of support? We talked about other types of support, but having that one-on-one support for other mothers and parents that have gone through this, that same experience? How did that decision come about? I guess I had been in this space for a long time. Since he died, I exploded into talking about him, into other people finding me as a source of support. So I already had a community. Mm-hmm. Um, I already showed up in this community and felt like I fell out of it when my kids were born alive like my so when my second and my third son were born I felt like a fraud in the child Mm. loss space because now I had a living kid and like I should just be happy now and everybody thinks like my world should just continue and it's like okay my world is continuing but it's also continuing without him so we're going to include him and keep him a part of that yeah and I don't know I felt like an outcast so I stopped talking for a really long time I dove into being a volunteer for the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Center. So I had been doing that for about a year and a half when I had heard of this coaching experience. I had never known of a pregnancy and infant loss coach except for the owner of Pilsk. And she created a certification program and I jumped on it because of a friend so I actually only did it because I had a fear of missing out I thought it was like I'm like why am I even doing this like I'm spending money and I don't even know why like but because it was the first one I was like no I'm gonna miss out on something I need to do this and I don't know why so I did it and the first I had never been coached so keep that in mind I had never ever been coached and that first training she asked for a volunteer and nobody was volunteering. And I'm like, whatever, like all this. She's my boss as well. Right. So then yeah. I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting because like now I'm <laughs> kind of nervous. And it literally like blew me out of the water. I was like, holy crap. This is what coaching is like. This is what I needed when my I, son died. I was going to say, I how would that impacted you then? Oh my God, I needed someone to validate those feelings, to like understand, to just get it. For me to like talk and not think I was insane. Because sometimes some of those thoughts that come up as a bereaved parent, you're like, holy shit, I'm nuts. If I told somebody this, they would literally put me in an insane asylum. And like you say them out loud. And I do that now in in my space. That's coaching has like, broke me back open to being like, no, the reality of this is, yes, it sounds crazy when I say it out loud, but this whole community goes, oh my God, me too. Yeah. Like, holy crap, someone else feels this and it's not just me. And then you see those numerous people going like, 
I resonate so much with this. And then it's like, wow. Yeah. Like I, I now go to coaching more than I go to therapy because I love my coach and I feel like I'm working through more because they get it because I get where my brain space is to like move forward instead of the reverse, which I do both, but I just feel like I, from my coach, like, I feel like I just get more of a, well, you don't have to sell me on that. Like (laughs) where, yeah, I know, but I like get more of a game plan of like where my head is in coaching. So do you predominantly get it? No, definitely. So do you predominantly work with women that have experienced like at the time that they experienced their loss? And do you ever find, cause I know of women that have experienced this type of loss, but decades ago and, you know, and it's still something that, you know, when they talk about it, they get emotional. And, you know, I know in another piece of your blog, you had said that, you know, time, people say the time heals. I'm just paraphrasing because I didn't write it down, but something to the extent that people say the time heals, but in fact, it, it doesn't, right? So I know women that have lost their um, unborn children or children at birth years ago. And, you know, I, I think they would benefit from this type of support as well. Yeah, no, it is open to anybody who has been touched by pregnancy or infant loss. So it could even be a family member, like I've coached grandparents. Mm, I love that. I was actually thinking about parents. that when you kept mentioning your mom. I can, as a mother, I can't even imagine of of a mother of a daughter, I can't even imagine having to support her through something like this. Yeah, it's a lot. So I love that you mentioned that, that you talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's beautiful to see grandparents show up in that space to find out what they can do or how they can support their own people as well as support themselves. So tell us a little bit more about what that, what that coaching looks like. Cause I'm sure people are going to hear that and be like, well, you know, what does that even look like? So you know, whatever you're feeling called to, to share. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm like blown away that I'm like even able to like share the space with people. Like it's such a sacred safe space where people come in and literally share anything. And like they, you can tell how safe they feel And it really just makes me realize how much people just need to feel heard and seen and just be held like without even words sometimes, or like, you know, there's a lot of silence. I leave a lot of space for my people Mm. because it's necessary to like process. There's not always, you don't always need to fill the space. So I think that's a big piece of it is like, it's taken at the person's um, how quick they want to go. How f- some of them like just talk really fast and like get through all their things. And then they're like, okay, what do I do? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, but it's not about what you do. And I think a lot of, a lot of people early in their, their grief are scared by the forward driven conversation because like I don't want to look ahead. I don't mm-hmm. want to look ahead. I want to focus on my child. And I feel like it's what they don't realize in that coaching space is your child can still be part of the focus of what we discuss, of where we go with this. And those steps of moving forward 
don't have to be these giant leaps. They can be these tiny little, just putting one foot in front of the other, which Mm -hmm. could look as simple as breathing or could look as big as like writing out your thoughts, right? Like it, it can look so different. And that's, I think that's the beauty in coaching is it looks so different for everybody. Yeah. Like it never is that cookie cutter, the same, same, same for anybody. What do you think would have been done differently? Or what, how do you think your journey would have been a little bit different in, in, in that time if you had had somebody like yourself? I'm a runner. I run from my grief. Mm-hmm. I realized I couldn't do that with my son. It always caught me. So I think I would have ran less and done more walking. And it would have been a big deal to like sit in my own grief instead of not sitting in it because like it's uncomfortable and it sucks and I don't want to do this but there's no other way but like through what would you say to anybody that's going to listen to this or even if it was a client that said to you you know they're they're really wanting to have another child they just you know have that that emotional and mental block would you is there anything you would say to them probably that you can't force it that you'll you might not feel ready right now and that's okay, but you will find a place where the fear isn't as big as the want or the need to try again. That for me is when I knew it was right. And that's not going to look the same for everybody. When you feel it's right, don't listen to anybody else. Because that's another big kicker is like, people are like, you're trying too soon or what are you doing? And it it has nothing to do with anybody else. They're never going to get it. They're never going to get why that needs to happen. Yeah. What did that discussion look like with your living sons in terms of who their younger brother was? Is that something you had a conversation? Because they're still relatively young as well, right? Yeah, no, um, Becklin's five and Becklin talks about Lachlan like he's here. Most times, except for he's like, mom, Lachlan died. And I'm like, yeah, he did, buddy. Why did he die? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I can't give him answers that I, I'm like, well, buddy, his heart stopped beating and he died. Like that's, you know, I'm very, because I don't, I don't want him to question death and yeah, like, oh, I lost my brother. Like, no, you didn't, we didn't lose him in a grocery store. He died. He's in an urn in my house. Like it's. Yeah. There's a very matter of fact in that I, I included Lachlan in everything. So like he, I have a weighted bear for him and like, we would include him in Beck's monthly pictures. And like, since Beck was six months old and could like sit up, he's like held his picture and like looked at his picture and he talks to him and he, it's just, we've just created a safe space, even for our kids to be able to include their brother but it's still very complicated. 100%. Do you think in some way it will help them to be able to process future loss? Because we all experience loss. It's just part of this human experience. I think that's what this generation is doing, is teaching our children better ways to be emotionally fit, better ways to deal with grief, to deal with I mean, deal with everything realistically is the hope, yeah. right? It's like that emotional intelligence is greater in that generation is my, is my hope for my 
having boys, having sons that they can show those emotions without people, you know, treating them different because they have emotions. I I love that. I'm somebody that coach to coach. I'm I'm somebody that always, you know, how does this make you feel? I know sometimes Mm -hmm. I overdo it, but I just want, I, I totally relate to that. We need to feel because if we don't feel, then it just stays in our body and serves us no good. And to be able to feel and to process and to know that that's just part of this human experience and, you know, whatever that looks like for somebody is important. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we may not have touched on that, you know, you really want to actually, can you show your bracelet before we go there? Which one? The, the pink and no. Oh, the okay. pink and blue one or this yeah. one. I have, I have two. I have okay. So they both too. have meaning. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The pink and blue one. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, what are the meanings? Yeah, no, th- this this one is through um, an Ontario-based organization called Aubrey's Act. Oh, okay. And they sent them out for free. But then this one is the pink and blue awareness bracelet that they do in the U.S. So I had someone ship it to me because they don't do them in Canada. Yeah, and it's for the month of October when Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month is, and you're supposed to wear it for the month. And I just didn't take it off. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. So is there anything that we may not have touched on that you really want people to know or something that, you know, you want to leave people with? I would just say that you're allowed to grieve however that looks for you, whether that's whatever, whatever that looks like, because at the end of the day, it's your journey and nobody else's journey is going to fit yours. You might be able to pieces from other people but it will never look like theirs and that is okay we're supposed to be different that's the that's the human experience right everything is different even though it's a similar loss it's different definitely can you let people know how they can reach you and work with you yeah so at healing loading on instagram on facebook i currently coach through the pregnancy and infant loss support center in calgary It is all virtual, so it's worldwide offered, and it is free support through them. So you actually don't pay anything to coach. They have support groups. They have all the things, all free. So if anybody is listening and they need pregnancy and infant loss support, reach out. And that's, you said, global? Yeah, there's a helpline. There's support groups. There's all the things. They do things in person, but everything is hybrid. So all offered through Zoom as well. And then my personal page is at Boys in Two Places, which is where I share most of my reels of like real life, because, you know, (laughs) the business page might not be the place for that all of the time. So, yeah. So we'll make sure that we have all those links in the show notes so people could get in talk, get in contact with you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your time and your light and for your vulnerability. Thank you for having me.